Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. Oh, good morning, Jeff. Good afternoon, <laughs> Kirk. <laughs> good evening. I, I sigh because we spent the past hour discussing what we're going to be talking about in this episode and preparing. And actually, we wanted to talk about three different topics, and we only managed to prepare one of them. And we found it a lot more difficult than we expected to be able to find the photos we want to talk about. So basically, you wanted to talk about a new denoising tool. And we were looking through our photos, trying to find noisy photos, and there aren't that many anymore. One of my questions to you was, who needs this with the, the quality of of sensors and high ISO? And we had to go back to photos with like, well, for me, it was from the iPhone 5S. From you, which camera was it? Um, I had some from the uh, Fuji X-T1 at so high ISOs. Antique. Exactly. See, the problem is we are such good photographers that we can't find any <laughs> examples of bad photos. <laughs> oh, no, wait. That's well, not right. <laughs> noise generally comes with high ISO, low light. And I don't shoot a lot of low light photos. Mm -hmm. But what what we did notice is that with more recent cameras, you just don't have the problem. I even We even looked at a photo that was very dark taken with my Leica Q2 monochrome and there was a tiny bit of noise and your 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 plug-in did remove some of it, but it wouldn't have affected the photo because of the specific photo. Um, so let's just talk about the, the idea is, is denoise. It's removing the noise that isn't there. Be, before we started spelunking in our photo libraries, I asked, well, who is this for today? And you said, well, it's if you have old photos or if you have an old camera, then this is something that's useful. Before that, let's, let's just sort of state the problem. So the problem is sometimes you will have photos that have excessive noise. And oftentimes that's because your ISO, your ISO, I can never remember which way I prefer to say that, it is set really high. And maybe you have it set high in a dark situation or you need to photograph action or, or whatever. And so you end up with uh, extra noise caused by the sensor because the sensor is turned up and so it's more sensitive and therefore the byproduct of that is extra digital artifacts, which we count as noise. So why would you even run into the situation? Like you said, low light situations are – really common. Uh, you don't have a flash or you're in a dark scene and you don't have the luxury of like saying putting your camera on a tripod and having a slow shutter speed, which would let in more light. Or let's say you are a bird photographer or an action sports photographer. You want to freeze that action and you can do that with you know really fast shutter speeds. But when you have a really high shutter speed, it also means you're letting in less light. So oftentimes, like bird photographers, I think especially, will crank their ISO really high, like even, you know, 6,400, 12,000, so that they have enough sensitivity to capture that bird in flight. And the, the byproduct of that then is digital noise. Right. But again, if you're interested in that type of photography, you're going to have the latest camera and you're going to have a sensor and a camera that can handle high ISO, right? You'll, Maybe. You'll have purchased your camera with that in mind. 
possibly if you have a whole lot of money. Maybe you're a bird photographer and you don't have access to all those resources. So that well, how maybe do you, you pay for those really long lenses that you need? But maybe you want to shoot birds, but you don't have the twelve thousand dollars for a six hundred millimeter f two lens, right? I, I think what we agreed on before we started recording is that the noise problem today is edge cases. You're talking about bird photography. Maybe in sports photography, you'd have the same kind of problem. Mm -hmm. um, or old cameras, or you're trying to recover old photos that you took with a bad camera. But one of the things that you pointed out, one of the tools that we were looking at only works on RAW files. You may not have RAW files for your old noisy files. You may only have JPEGs. Yes, maybe if, if you're the type of crazy person that throws away your RAW files. Or maybe you just never shot in RAW. Or maybe you never shot in RAW. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So what specifically brought this up is um, this week, Adobe released new versions of Lightroom and it has a new denoise feature that is AI-based. Now, most photo editing applications have some sort of denoise. And when we're talking about denoise, there are two parts to that. Uh, you have luminance noise and you have color noise. And a sensor can introduce both. And so typically those controls, those manual controls will get rid of the noise. But what you end up with is typically a kind of smushy, softer image. Because it doesn't quite know how to replace that. It's just blurring the noise out. And so that's that's always been a problem. Now we have AI-based tools that will look at various noise algorithms so that it will pull out more detail while also removing noise. So the, the Lightroom tool, as it exists right now, it will only work on raw images and – not JPEG images. And I think that's because when you have a RAW file, a RAW file will actually include information about how noisy the sensor is and what sort of noise patterns that it has so that a RAW processor can use that information for a better result. I think the best example to use, and you're going to put this in the show notes, is your um, picture from inside a church, I believe, in Italy. And we were looking at this with a couple of things. And then you went into, I believe it was Topaz AI. And it removed the noise in a way that, for example, the paint on the wall behind the top statue, and you'll, you'll do some close-ups to show, yeah. it really smoothed it out. So the AI figured out, not only am I removing the noise, but I'm making this all the same color because I've detected that it's a a wall or whatever. And the marble under the statue also did a really good job on. When you have a tool that is specifically looking for denoising rather than just looking at where is noise, where you have something that can differentiate services or objects or people, oftentimes you'll have people in the scene and some of these newer tools can notice that, oh, that's a person. So we're going to denoise them differently so that they're not super smudgy or maybe we'll introduce some extra detail back because it knows what a face looks like. So the difference now with these tools is instead of applying the same algorithm across the entire photo, it's identifying different elements and applying the algorithm selectively, as you say, for the face of a person or the mm -hmm. wall or the marble or the statue or the floor or the wood. It knows, it knows, it, it has been trained to apply these things. I, I, 
artificial intelligence is not intelligent. It doesn't know anything. Right. It has been trained to identify different areas and apply noise reduction and sharpening differently. And it's not just noise reduction. It's also sharpening, right? Yeah, because typically when you're dealing with, with high noise, you are getting rid of the noise, then you have to do some sort of sharpening to compensate for that. And so these right. tools are, are are doing that in a bundle. I think some of it is recognizing objects in the scene, but my general impression is that the AI tools, they're looking at lots of noise that's been fed to them in the machine learning process. So they can identify right. types of noise and types of scenes so that it can remove noise more intelligently, not necessarily because it notices that that's a wall, but because it has seen this kind of pattern before at you know right. a very small noise level. So it doesn't know that it's a wall or marble or brick, but it knows what the noise of a wall or marble or brick looks like and what it should look like corrected. It knows what this pattern of noise looks like in other photos and can correct that pattern of noise. And then it really depends on the tool. Yeah. Another example is uh, DxO Pure Raw. And that also uses not just AI algorithms for denoising, but DxO, they have this massive library of pretty much every sensor, every lens that's been made. And so it will also say, oh, you shot this with an 18 to 135 lens uh, on a Fuji X-T1. And because of that, it knows that this is how you need to process this file. I don't know that it is doing any object recognition, but it's it's learning – it's not learning. It's applying what it has learned about the characteristics of those things in an algorithmic way. So since DxO reviews and rates cameras and lenses, they may have a test suite that allows them to capture this data of different lenses and cameras at different ISOs, feed this into their learning thing, and now they can provide this as a tool. But that's more of a blunt instrument if they're doing it just across the whole photo compared to some of the other ones. Yeah. Things in, in this market, uh, you have uh, DxO Pure Raw. Um, and it, again, like th that will only work on raw files. It, it's doing the demosaic pass that changes the raw image from you know just zeros and ones into an image image. You have things like Topaz Denoise and Topaz Photo AI. On One has a uh, I want to say it's called On One No Noise. They have a tool that works pretty well. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Last year I wrote an article for Popular Photo that looked at a couple of these and actually using the same sample image that I that we were just talking about. And so I think – I don't know. There are like maybe a handful of these utilities, which is cool because prior to a few years ago, all you had was a slider that would be change the luminance, change the color, add some detail and – you were kind of out of luck. I mean, they were never really good. You just had to see how much bad result is acceptable. But the real question is who needs these things? As we were looking through our photos, we had trouble finding photos that needed denoising. Uh, and again, we're such great photographers, we don't introduce <laughs> noise into our photos. We don't allow noise into our photos. But the point with newer cameras and sensors and lenses and 
And all of these tools and even raw processors are getting rid of a lot of this. So don't rush out and buy one of these tools because you may not really need it for more than a half a dozen photos. Send your photos to Jeff and he'll take care of them for you. <laughs> well, OK. Here's actually a really good example. When I was doing some event shooting last year at the Creative Pro Week conference, that was all high ISO because it was inside conference where you have dark meeting rooms and it's really a, a terrible photographic environment. And so being able to do some denoising on my images, I, I actually ran all of my images through DxO Pure Raw, which helped immensely. So that's like a really good example. But you're right. That's also an edge case. Well, it's an edge case if you don't do that as a professional task. If your job is shooting conferences, then it's not an edge case and this is a tool you need. Right. I think it's an edge case in terms of the whole broader number of people who are doing photography. I don't know yeah. how many of our listeners are probably doing that sort of thing. If I were to name a denoising app, I would call it Shh. I think we have to just abruptly stop the episode right now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, how about we move on to our next topic? Because for for I don't know, for three years now we've wanted to talk about healing and it keeps getting usurped <laughs> by other subjects. And so you wanted to talk particularly about the healing and removing tools in Lightroom, and you're so happy that we've brought this up today. Um so <laughs> Again, see, this is like, I don't do this. I don't heal. And, and I mentioned when we last discussed this that I'll use a spot removal tool, like the retouching tool in photos to remove spots. And, and, that, mm -hmm. and that's about it. Um, I understand that particularly if you're doing fashion, you're going to be doing a lot of healing. You're going to be, you know, perfecting the stuff on people's faces. And if you, last week you talked about the X remover filter, whatever that removes your X from a photo. And that's kind of removing and healing by doing a content aware fill where the X was before, like filling that emptiness with the background. But how often do you use these tools? How often do you use healing tools? Um, I would say I actually use them on a fairly regular basis because okay. there's always something that that you don't want in your photo. And I think – Always? Always, yes. There's always something okay. that I <laughs> – okay. I tend to find things that, that are in my photos that I don't want to be there. And most often – this is kind of a sliding scale, but most often it's just uh, sensor dust or you know a blurry bird in the background or something like that that you want to just do a real quick removal. And the tools that do that have been really good. Now, if you have something where – let's say you have a fence that's in the way or you have – um, you know, a a person, right? Some somebody was walking in the back of the shot, and maybe they were far off, and you didn't notice them, or you could not get the shot without people in it. But you would really prefer to have the final shot without people in it. You had a number of different things that you could do. You could do something like content aware fill in Photoshop, which has done a pretty good job. Actually, I would say a remarkable job in some circumstances. When that came out, it was really a game changer in terms of doing some sort of repair stuff. Oftentimes, like I, I did a photo shoot several weeks ago and there was just like little patches of grass that were brown that needed to be filled in at the person's feet or, you know, a little 
piece of trash. Just, there's always just like a little something. And what's changing now is the ability to do more in terms of replacing that. So what, what specifically brought this on this week is that there's a new public beta of Photoshop. So if you are a Creative Cloud subscriber and you can already get Photoshop, you can go into the Creative Cloud app and download – there's like a public beta category and you can download a public beta of this. And in addition to like their typical removal tools um, where you're you're just you know doing spot brush and spot healing and all that, there's a new remove tool. And what that will do is it will actually do a much better job of fixing – an area that you remove. So let's say you want to remove a stop sign. Stop signs are usually, you know, big enough that with most typical tools, even with like content aware fill, what it's trying to do is grab other pixels from elsewhere in the image to fill in that spot. And sometimes it works, it really depends on what was there in the first place. But like let's say you've got a brick pattern or a street or a sidewalk that makes things a bit difficult and then you can end up having to use like say the clone tool to you know do little bits of patching and it ends up taking a long time. So what the remove tool will do is it's actually using the Adobe Sensei which is their their AI technology to figure out what that scene looks like and then make pixels to generate pixels to fix that so that it looks Realistic. It looks like what was actually behind that stop sign. Won't you get in trouble for removing a stop sign? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you will not because nobody will notice. <laughs> Would Adobe be able to do this because they have so many photos and there just happens to be one of the area where you took your photo with the stop sign? Is it kind of matching like that? I don't think it's In other quite words, they, like they that. have millions of photos and, and they're detecting what's around it. Does that give them that information? They can't really – can they just figure out – I mean it's not intelligent. It's not intelligent. It's artificial machine learning something. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. how does it actually decide what to put – how often do you get bloopers, right? With this content-aware fill, how often does it look real and how often does it look just like some of the AI photos that we've seen? Right. So uh, this is something that's only been out for a couple of days. I've not played with it yet. I've just watched videos of it. I, I have the software, but I haven't haven't actually thrown anything at it. I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, Colin Smith, who does this uh, YouTube channel called Photoshop Cafe. He's been doing Photoshop stuff forever where he runs through a lot of this and actually uh, he removes a stop sign and a fire hydrant and like a parking sign. And I think it's taking a smarter way to look at the surrounding pixels and coming up with what should be there. So it's not recognizing like I know that this is this particular street on this uh, location because there are you know 50 other people who have taken a shot from this angle. I don't think it's doing that. But it, it knows enough based on all of the, the material that it's been fed that it can – determine, all right, here's a sidewalk and here is like in, in one instance, there's a, a manhole cover that it actually did a really good job of fixing that 
because it was behind the post, but it fixed that in a way that kept it smooth where other tools might have, you know, broken the edge of that or just, you know, plopped a brick or something. Mm. So the whole point of this is there are better tools now than you could have had even a couple of years ago. And I think what this means for most of us who will end up doing some sort of fixes or needing a little tiny fix, you could have an image that is otherwise really great, but you have a distracting element and it's easier and quicker to get rid of those distracting elements just using the tools that you have rather than realizing that you need to go and watch 10 hours of YouTube retouching videos <laughs> on how to do various different things. And and select things, you know, pixel by pixel to be able to make a mask and all that. But of course, you've talked recently about how um, mask selection has been improved as well. So are, yeah. are we at a uh, are we at a tipping point here that where all of this is getting so much better that in five years, if we look five years ago and five years from now, it's going to be like, you know, light years difference. It kind of feels like it. I would not count that out. Yeah. I can totally see you having a picture and when you're clicking the auto button. Okay. So for example, right now you click the auto button and it will figure out your your tones and your exposure and your color and and maybe like some noise reduction or whatever. That's what an auto button does now. And, and actually most auto buttons now are also uh, based on machine learning information. I can totally see in five years, you click the auto button and it looks at your scene and it fixes your exposure. It fixes your color. It gets rid of trash on the ground. It you know, maybe marks three people in the background so that you can get rid of them or maybe puts them on a different layer or something like that. And it will have more smarts – I'm putting that in quotation marks – about what this type of photo typically looks like that it can do that sort of repair. OK. I'm going to put you on the spot, Jeff. Okay. In our shared folder for episode 140, I have just dropped a photo. It is img2002.jpg. Can you now remove the people in front of that tower with your mm. software? We will pause the recording at this point and we will put some hold music on while Jeff is doing his work. <laughs> I will just uh, sing it. No. La, 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 la. Okay, we're back. And in about three minutes, Jeff was able to remove the two people in this photo. One of them was a man who was taking a step in the door on the right side of the doorway who was walking in. The other was a woman who was walking out in front of that sign. And to be fair, the bit of the wall under the sign looks a little bit wonky. But I mean, that's a huge improvement, what you just did. And basically, you just kind of painted over each of the people and clicked the button and it did some jiggery pokery and then poof, they were gone. Yeah, exactly. And also, I only did this in three strokes. I mean, I, I painted the woman yeah. and I did I did one more paint over that wall section to see if maybe it would uh, fix that. And then once over the, the man and that is it. And we'll have the, the images in the show notes. 
Yeah. Um, for If you're curious, this is Broadway Tower in a town called Broadway, about six miles from me. It was built by some rich guy in the early 20th century to impress his girlfriend. So I think so he could see her from far away. And then I think in the 1960s, the UK government converted it to a nuclear fallout shelter. There's a nuclear fallout shelter underneath uh, in the hill there. I've never been in the fallout shelter. Um, but that's really interesting. Now, I can imagine, take the same kind of photo and the people are not in front of the tower, but just on the grass. That must be child's play. Yeah, yeah. And, it, well, you know, if there are people on the grass, because grass is sort of a a, a noisy-ish pattern anyway, that's always yeah. been easier to fix. But if you have, okay. like, the person on the grass, but their head is, is uh, you know, in where the castle is, then that becomes more difficult. Okay. Well, that's impressive. So we've done healing, removing, and denoising all in one episode. Should we move on to snapshots? I think we should move on to snapshots. Okay. Let's do some snapshots. What have you got, Jeff? So I have something that I've actually had for almost six years now that I forgot that I even owned, um, and it is a Carson camera sensor magnifier. And basically – it's like a loop and you put this on top of your your camera sensor. You take the lens off and of course it doesn't get onto the sensor itself. Uh, but this is a good way to look closely at your sensor to see if you have any sensor dust that's on the sensor that hasn't come off. Um, it also has like a little LED light um, that – will you know, illuminate that. Uh, it's $25, but it can be really useful if you think that you have some schmutz on your sensor that you can't get off. And this lets you take a look at that and then use another tool, uh, which maybe I'll mention on our next episode, to actually clean the sensor yourself. So quick, easy, uh, something that I wish I didn't have to have. And I've only used a few times, but uh, you know, when you have a sensor and you have a spot that shows up in every single one of your pictures, you want to be able to get rid of it. Kirk, what about you this week? Uh, I want to talk briefly about some software that was just announced and I haven't tried. It was released on the 12th of April. It's called Photomator. Now, oh, yeah. Photomator is the new name for Pixelmator Photo, which was the new name for Pixelmator something. And we have Pixelmator Pro on the Mac and they've changed the name so many times. This is bad branding, I must say. Um, I really like their software, but the branding has been, you know, a little bit confusing. They're releasing Photomator on the Mac soon. Uh, for now, it's for iPhone and iPad. They say it includes more than 30 powerful color adjustments, AI-powered automatic selections, etc. And so the automatic selections are the kind of things that um, we were just discussing. It can select backgrounds to remove them. It can magically remove unwanted objects. And, and actually, it would have been good if we had tried that before talking about this here. Um, <laughs> edit specific parts of a photo, um, tools powered by machine learning, etc., etc., I kind of uh, – I've always been frustrated with these developers for changing names and changing kind of direction of the software a lot. It's never felt like it's been a straight line. But this looks really good because they've had some AI – well, they call them machine learning tools actually in Pixelmator um, Pro for a while that I use on my Mac. Uh, and if they're really going down that route to make simpler photo editing and simpler object removal and healing and stuff like that, I think that's a good thing. So 
you can get it now for iPhone and iPad, and pretty soon it's coming out for Mac. It's called Photomator. If you have Pixelmator, it's not the same as Pixelmator. It's not the same as Pixelmator Pro. It's not the same as Pixelmator Photo. <laughs> well, I think what they're doing is they're trying to differentiate it because they had Pixelmator Photo and people were like, oh, this Pixelmator Pro. It's like, no, it's it's the separate thing. Actually, it sounds a whole lot like the difference between Photoshop and Lightroom. Pixelmator Pro ah, has okay. lots of layers, lots of panels and tools right. and things like that. Right. And I think Photomator is more like Lightroom in that it's more of an all-in-one photo-centric tool rather than – being able to you know do all sorts of layer based you know vectors and all of that kind of stuff. Got so, it. Yeah, okay. I'm, so I, photo I, I'm looking forward to it for the rest of us. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Until next time. Until next time. Hey, maybe we'll talk about healing <laughs> again <laughs> forever. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.